Hey, hey, friends. Welcome to Let's Have Tea. I'm your host, Rebecca. This is a place that you can meet up with some friends to grow in God's Word. It's a place to slow down in life. A place that you can soak in God's presence while you sip on your hot cup of coffee, hot glass of tea, or even a glass of Coke. But why tea? Why did I choose Let's Have Tea? Think about a tea bag. If you're making tea and the longer you leave that tea bag in that hot water, the stronger it's going to get. God's Word tells us in Psalms 27, 14, wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart be courageous. Wait for the Lord. The longer we remain in His Word, the longer we remain in His presence, the stronger we are going to get. So join us as we go through each day just learning about God, learning more of His Word and more more of His character and just stepping out in faith and taking Him at His Word. Hey, hey, it's Rebecca with Let's Have Tea. Today is Tuesday, June 16th. We are halfway through the month of June already. Goodness. Today is Girl Preach. And I have a question for you. Can you find four crazy friends? Do you have four crazy friends? I'm sure that maybe you have some faces popping up in your mind or you're thinking about names or people. But the kind of crazy I'm talking about is not those that are insane or off their rocker, so to speak. But do you have some passionately excited friends that will do what they have to do to get you your prayers answered, to get you healed, to get you through a season of your life, to pull you up out of a pit, to Will they be the hands and feet of Jesus when you need them? Do you have four crazy friends? Let's start in Luke chapter 5, verses 17 through 26. And I'm going to be reading in the Passion Translation. It says, One day many Jewish religious leaders, known as Pharisees, along with many religious scholars, came from every village of Galilee, throughout Judea, and even from Jerusalem to hear Jesus teach. And the power of the Lord God surged through him to instantly heal. Some men came to Jesus, carrying a paraplegic man on a stretcher. They attempted to bring him in past the crowd to set him down in front of Jesus. But because there were so many people crowding the door, they had no way to bring him inside. So they crawled onto the roof, dug their way through the roof tiles, and lowered the man, stretcher and all, into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. Seeing the demonstration of their faith, Jesus said to the paraplegic man, My friend, your sins are forgiven. 
The Jewish religious leaders and the religious scholars whispered objections among themselves. Who does this man think he is to speak such blasphemy? Only God can forgive sins. Does he think he is God? Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said to them, Why do you argue in your hearts over what I do and think that it is blasphemy for me to say his sins are forgiven? Let me ask you, which is easier to prove when I say your sins are forgiven or when I say stand up, carry your stretcher, and walk? Jesus turned to the paraplegic man and said, to prove to you all that I, the Son of Man, have the lawful authority on earth to forgive sins. I say to you now, stand up, carry your stretcher, and go on home, for you are healed. In an instant, the man rose right before their eyes. He stood, picked up his stretcher, and went home, giving God all the glory with every step he took. The people were seized with astonishment and dumbfounded over what they had just witnessed. And they all praised God, remarking over and over, Incredible! What an unbelievable miracle we have seen today. So can you visualize what's happened here? Can you imagine being paralyzed you feel helpless, and I'm pretty sure that these four men, I think it's New King James or King, one of the other uh, versions of the Bible, uh, it says it was four men. Um, I was looking right here to see, but... Can you imagine, you know, these four men walking to the house that Jesus is at? We, they know that Jesus is there, and they see this man. You know, they have this friend, and he's, he's paralyzed for whatever reason. I don't know if it's from birth. I don't know if he had an accident. I don't know why he's paralyzed. But these four men knew that this paralyzed friend of theirs, his, he, his healing would come from Jesus. They just needed to get him there. So it's not like he could walk. So they're going to have to tote him. Get on your mat and let, we're just going to pick you up and tote you. I mean, right now, my closest neighbors, I mean, it would, on either side of us, it would be um, a good little walk. Especially toting basically dead weight, even though you have three other people helping you. Think of how far... These four men, or five men, these four men that's walking and the one that's, that's paralyzed laying on, on his mat. Think how far they would have to walk. Was it miles and miles? Was it 
was it raining? Was it during a storm? Is it, was it like super hot and, and the road is dusty and, and, but they knew I've got to get him to Jesus. Was it cold? Was it, was it snowing? Was there, was there ice on the ground? Scripture don't say. Their focus was getting their friend into the presence of Jesus. And then you have your religious leaders and scholars. You know, they're whispering among themselves. But first, let's go back because I don't want to miss this part. They tried to enter through the front door. That's what, you know, most of us do. We go to someone's house. We want to go to the front door. Because usually the side door, you know, that's where, you know, the family, the kids, you know, they kick their shoes off. And, you know, so anytime me and Tony go somewhere, we always go to the front door. And they might say, hey, can you come around to the side? Okay, we'll do that. But just out of respect, we go to the front door. It's just, I don't know, it's just a thing that I've always done. Doesn't make it right or wrong. So they couldn't get through the front door because this place, it, it doesn't say if it was a church or a house or it, it's just, a, a, they went to this, this building, but they couldn't get, they couldn't get in past the people because there's so many people there listening to Jesus teach. So it doesn't say which of the four men had the, you know, okay, well, we can't go through the door. Let's, let's go on top of the roof. Let's, we have got to get this man into the presence of Jesus. So they start pulling away the tiling, the shingles, whatever it is. Maybe it was clay tiles. Maybe it was just mud, you know, dirt that they had mixed with water to make make a roof. I don't know what, um, you know, what this roof is made of. It just said... They dug their way through the roof tiles. So it's layers and layers. And then think of how high the roof would be. You know, is it a six foot? Is it six foot walls where, you know, your ceiling? Is it, was it 12 foot? I mean, how far did they have to lower this man down? And it said... Matt, it says, and they lowered the man, stretcher and all, because he can't, he's paralyzed. I don't know if his arms worked, but if they're having to tote him, his legs are paralyzed. Is he paralyzed from the neck down, from the waist down? It don't say. But they had to lower him, stretcher and all. Do we have friends that that would do for us as these four men did for this man? 
Do we have four friends? Do we have one friend that we know when we can't walk on our own, they're going to pick us up and get us into the presence of the Lord? Can you think of a friend like that? So they lowered the man down and it says into the middle of the crowd and now he's right in front of Jesus. You know, it makes me wonder, you know, did the did they look in and say, okay, Jesus is right in the middle of the building or, you know, he's kind of on this side or he's in the front like you would walk into a church, you know, and there's you know, you have your, your platform where the pulpit's at, you know, they knew exactly where to go in. They knew exactly where to lower this man. And it says, into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. And then it says, seeing the demonstration of their faith, talking about these men, Jesus said to the paraplegic man, my friend, your sins are forgiven. It's not anything that the paralyzed man done. It was the faith of his four friends. And then here we have the religious leaders and the scholars, and they're, you know, they're saying, it says, whispered objections among themselves. Who does this man think he is? And then it says, verse 22 and 23, it says, Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said to them, Why do you argue in your hearts over what I do and think that it is blasphemy for me to say his sins are forgiven? Can you imagine what they were thinking then? Then he says, Let me ask you, which is easier to prove when I say your sins are forgiven? You know, they just said, well, how can he forgive their sins? You know, this man sins. And Jesus is saying, well, which is easier to prove? For me to tell him, your sins are forgiven? Or when I say, stand up, carry your stretcher and walk? Both just amazing statements. Your sins are forgiven. Stand up, carry your stretcher and walk. Because Jesus is the only one that can, that can forgive us of our sins. And then to perform a miracle like that, right in front of all these people's eyes. Then it says, Jesus turned to the paraplegic man and said, To prove to you all that I, the Son of Man, have the lawful authority on earth remember jesus is still walking walking among the among the people on the earth he says to forgive sins i say to you now talking to a paralyzed man stand up what do you think the man is saying the peril this paralyzed man what do you think he's thinking you know and it says carry your stretcher and go on home, for you are healed. Just that easy. And it said, in an instant, the man rose right before their eyes. 
Can you imagine what the uh, religious leaders and teachers, religious scholars, you, do you, can you imagine what they're, think their jaw dropped? Do you think they're, <laughs> what, are they, what are they thinking now? What are they whispering among themselves now? It says, in an instant, the man rose right before their eyes. He stood up. He picked up his stretcher and he went home giving God all the glory with every step he took. I'm sure he was a hopping, a skipping, and jumping, and, and he was doing a little praise dance on, on his way back home. And can you imagine what his four friends, I'm sure they were praise dancing right along with him. Do you have friends like that? Are you a friend like that? We have to be, and when I say crazy, I don't mean any disrespect or, but can we step out of doubt for just a moment? Look through the eyes of faith and take God at his word. Are you a friend that would be crazy enough? And I don't mean, well, that's silly. I don't mean that. Will you be a friend? Are you that kind of friend that would be crazy enough? I know what God's word says. Because he has healed me. His word does not lie. His word is truth. His word is alive and active. He is no respecter of persons. What he done for me. He has healed me and he will heal you too. Do you have a friend or are you that friend that is crazy enough to go against what doctors are saying? To go against what... The family is believing. Well, well, we were told it's stage four cancer and there's just, there's no hope. Well, that's ask, you know, me, well, where, where are they putting their hope at? You know, are we putting our hope into the medical profession? Please don't get me wrong. I, I have family and friends and um, that are, are doctors or nurses or in the, in the medical profession. Nothing against them, but God has the final word. Our hope is found in him, not, not in the doctors. Do we have that kind of faith? Are we crazy enough to go against everything to say, God, I trust you. I hope in your word. I believe what you say. I know that your word is true. And I will do what it takes to get my friend to the presence of Jesus.
Where's your hope? Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Are you filled with hope? Are you filled with a God hope? Are you crazy enough just to, God, I take you at your word? And the crazy that I'm talking about, it's not insane. Well, they are just crazy for believing that. It's not an insane kind of crazy. It's to be passionately excited. I know God's word works. Come on, girl. We have got to go. Let, let's, let's pray for you. Get up out of that bed. Depression does not, is not going to have hold on you. You are not going to be bound by fear. Come on, let's go. Let's let's get you up. I will pick you up out of bed and tote you. Let's let's get to the living room or or let's get somewhere that we can we can come together. And maybe you have to pray for them when they're in the middle of their bed because that's where they have been for the last 14 days. Their hair is a mess. They may even even be a little smelly. Crawl up in the bed with them. Love on them. Take them by the hand. Pray for them. Be crazy enough. Be passionately excited enough to know that when you get into the presence of the Lord, things change. The bonds of depression, those chains are going to fall off. Of anxiety, of fear, sickness, whatever it is. Girl, preach. God needs women and men that will be so excited to take him at his word. He's looking for for those that will stand and not be moved. Those that are so full of faith that you'll take a roof off of a building. You'll peel off the layers. And it's nothing. You know, peeling off a roof. Oh, that... Girl, that ain't nothing. You will be that friend that totes someone when they can't walk. That holds their hands when they can't see in front of them. Be that friend. Have those friends that will do whatever it takes to get you or someone else to Jesus. Be that person that will pray long, that will fast, that won't quit, that you're going to pray them through. The season of grief, of mourning, the season of 
pain, the season of change, whatever that season is, what whatever it is, if it's sickness, if if it, if it's finances, if it is wayward children, if it's issues, you know, with your children. When TJ and Amber, our son and daughter-in-law, when they were walking through infertility, I mean, I had friends, you know, look at, yeah, I believe with you. You know, at first they were like, but the doctor said, I don't care what the doctor said. I know what God's word says. And they will have a child and we will be called Lolly and Pop. Although now it's Pop, Pop and BB. Hey, I'll take it because that baby has changed our life. And because we, because TJ and Amber, you know, because TJ's parents were crazy enough when, when they couldn't walk because they were so in just such despair. And they were hurting so badly because all they wanted was a child. But time after time, month after month, negative pregnancy test. Doctor visit after doctor visit. Mm-mm. It, it, your chances of getting pregnant is slim to none. But TJ and Amber had parents that were crazy enough to believe, no, I take God at his word. That was it. They were married four years, six months, and ten days on the day Miss Cadison Lynn Morian entered into this world at a little over five pounds. There were times that I needed someone to carry me because it's like, oh God, this is so hard. And God said, just keep standing, girl. Keep standing. And I would get that second, that second wind, so to speak. My, you know, I, my faith would get stirred. Okay, come on, y'all. We can do this. We can do this. But we have to be so passionately excited that to some, yeah, we seem crazy. But we're crazy about God's Word. We are so in love with His Word because that's where our hope is found. We are so crazy about the things that, that, that God has done, the miracles that, that Jesus has performed in our lives. That we have to preach it to others. We have to share. It don't matter if it's through social media, if it's behind a pulpit, if it's in the, the checkout line at the grocery store. God wants you and me to preach his word. He's just looking for people that are willing
And sometimes, you know, we, we, we do get just physically tired. You know, it's like we have fought and fought and fought, oh no, our, through this season of nothing but warfare, hell on earth. We're just, we're trying to get through that season of infertility. We're trying to get through that season of sickness, through the season of depression, whatever it is. Do you have friends that will stand with you during those times? But most importantly, will you be that friend to somebody? Will you be that person that no matter what the diagnosis is, if it's stage four cancer, if it is infertility with the chances of getting pregnant slim to none, if it is, you know, that person is so far, they're so strung out on drugs, they don't even know who they are anymore. But God, there's miracle after miracle after miracle in the Bible. But collectively, there are those same miracles that's happened within our own life. But have we missed them? Oh, well, yeah, you know, doctor said, and, and now it's not there. God performed a miracle at 20, just weeks from being 26 years old. Doctor said my chances of seeing 30 was, was pretty slim because of sickness. It had taken over my body from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. It was bad. But I drew the line in faith because I, I, I couldn't hardly move. And I stood and I said, I am not, I'm not taking my toes off this line. I will tow this line for as long as I can. And here I am now. Just celebrated my 50th birthday and quarantine and under curfew completely healed but I was crazy enough passionately excited enough to take God at his word and to know that's for me those stripes that Jesus took those were for me that was for my healing if we don't tell Others, who will? If we don't show them, who will? The world can fill our friends and our family with so much doubt and negativity. I hate to turn on the news. Because you can lose all faith and all hope within five minutes. God is in control. 
He is bigger than sickness. He's bigger than hate and racism. He is bigger than someone losing their jobs, businesses closed. We have to put our faith and we have to put our hope in him. Our, we have to trust him. So, will you be one that will stand and not be moved even by what what you see through your physical eyes? Or will you stand and look through the eyes of faith and be passionately excited because you know God's word will not return void? And you are standing on his word. Girl, preach. The world needs to hear that that Jesus is alive and well. And, and he is still working. He is still working. His word will not return void. His word will not expire. It's not like a coupon that you find under the seat of your car when you're cleaning it out. And, oh man, I could have got buy one, get one. But it expired. God's word's not like that. It's everlasting. So who can you share this with today? Tomorrow, who can you pick up and, and tote on their mat when they can't walk for themselves? Who is it that you can take to, to be in the presence of the Lord, to pray over them, to, to seek God on their behalf, to be the hands and feet of Jesus? Because I really feel like God is saying, oh girl, come on and preach my word. You've got a story to tell. And women are more apt to, to share deeper secrets or more, you know, instead of two men talking and I'm just going by what, you know, my husband has said or, um, you know, they just want to, Skim the top. Well, I'm I'm going through a tough time right now. And that's all they that's all they tell their you know their male friend that I'm just going through a tough time. But women, they will tell you why they're going through a tough time. They go so much deeper. And we can take that. And we can go, go to the root of the problem. And it's all using God's word. Girl, preach. Pick your sword up and be ready for battle. Because the world we're, we are living in right now, it needs some strong Women that are not afraid 
to take God at his word that will be so crazy, so passionately excited. They might have a baby on one hip, their Bible on another, and a, and a sword and a cup of coffee in each hand. But we can get it done. We've just got to, to step out and do it. I thank you for listening. I pray that you will be that friend that's crazy enough to take God at his word. That if maybe, well, I used to be, I pray that the that passion will be so stirred that nothing can stop you. You, you're not afraid to, to speak to those dead, dry bones and say, Bones, you will get up and live. That's what God's looking for. So I pray that you're going to be that, that person, too, that will stand with me. And that will preach God's word to a lost and dying world. To a world that is in such doubt, they've lost their faith. They don't. They have no idea where they put it. Where where when they lost it. Let's be crazy enough to stand against all that's going on right now, from the north to the south to the east to the west. It's it's everywhere. But God is bigger. And that's what we need to be telling the world. Girl, preach. Until next time, let's have tea.